When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you like what we're all about at playerprofiler.com, that's the Dominator. That's Decision Point with Anand Nanduri. Of course, the Mind of Mansion and all these great guests. Support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash podfather, patreon.com slash podfather. That's how you make all of this possible and keep all of this free. are live we're back we are officially back for a brand new season of the dominator oh boy it's exciting times man exciting times oh it's it's exciting man we've come a long way man you and i were introduced a year ago started this show and now a year later we're working together you're here full-time at playerprofiler.com I, I see your your beautiful face 17 times a day. We're in so many meetings together, and we have so much uh, communication back and forth. There's so many things going on, so many initiatives. There's just it. It's a very it's it's as exciting. Oh, I can't believe I'm saying this. It's as exciting as when we first launched Player Profiler. Like it That's feels crazy. like that level of excitement for me. How many new people we brought on. And just the there's just this groundswell of both internal and external energy that I'm just sailing on, like on this on the high seas. It's great. I love it. Cloud nine. Yeah, it's it's been it's been such a fun and exciting time. I mean, we we've been working together quietly behind the scenes for the last few weeks and uh, eagerly anticipating the start date. It's official. Right. I'm on board. Uh, I have been enjoying the time getting to learn uh, the ins and outs of the player profiler and behind the scenes and and uh, getting to know the uh, staff better. Uh, excited for our roadmap, excited for just podcasting more with you and for, you know, the, the new and upcoming shows that we have planned for uh, starting next week. A little teaser right there. Right. And so oh, yeah. I can't wait to get to get fully going on on the podcast adventure and to you know just share the wealth of knowledge that we have with all of our listeners you're a great broadcaster but you're also a great operator behind the scenes uh, you're already like documenting processes like there's so many different things that we have neglected as we've just been outrunning our coverage right and it's like wait wait, wait. let's let, let's take a step back here let's create a training document for this Wait, let's 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 do this in a way that that actually can scale. Let, let, and I'm like, you're right. Everyone, listen to Billy. No more cowboy shit. We're doing this shit the right way. So you're like, okay, I can see you guys were in a rush to do a bunch of these things. Uh, so I'm gonna go ahead and try to. I'm gonna go, and then you're up here cleaning up this stuff over here, and then you're organizing this stuff over here. And I'm like, oh man, this is that. This is part of 
the swelling of energy that I'm feeling, like we just un unfurl the sails and whoosh, right? You can just feel it. And like Theo's on board too. Theo Greminger, he started with a breakout finder. Theo first started right. writing for Nate Liss with a breakout finder. And now he's heading up our podcast channel. He's heading up the draft kit. Theo is a total stud. And, and now we have Cody reporting from the Combine. It's just every time I open Twitter, I'm like, I can't believe. Look at Jack. Like, oh, my God, look at Aaron. Look at Dario. All these things. Best ball rankings just dropped. I, didn't I was like, oh, look at the best ball rankings. Oh, damn, look at that. And, uh, and then there's going to be a lot more coming, changes to the, to, the, to the website and a lot of new products coming out. Uh, the one thing that we should tease, because it is the biggest thing, is the uh, complete renovation of the data analysis tool. It's now in testing, so we now have it. It's ready to test. We're going to bang on it a little bit, and we're going to throw it out there for the public, and you all can start uh, using what I've always wanted data analysis to be. So, a lot, and, that, and that's just scratching the surface. There's so much. Yeah, I was excited to kind of take a look at the test with um, the dev team today and, and taking a look at at the exciting product. And I, I, I love the simplicity of it and removing the decision fatigue for the user. I think that was one of the key components uh, of this rollout. And I'm, I'm excited to see it on the site. And it's just there's a lot more flexibility. There's a lot more ability to join information. There's a lot of more ability to to have predefined reports that we already have for you. Lots of stuff that's ready to go with a click of a button, and then a lot more edit control. A lot more like in report the, building. Yeah, in in the app experience, the ability to just build out columns and and save your favorite report. It just and, and then the speed and and removing all the limitations. Like oh, you can only have this many columns nonsense because this also was only possible the reason why the data analysis renovation really was the last big renovation that we had of the site was because we needed to upgrade our servers we did a big migration to amazon aws so we we now actually pay a lot more for servers because we just have a lot more horsepower behind the scenes and it allows us to do things and and roll things out with high performance even with lots of data, with thousands of rows and lots of columns and, you know, crazy data sets that before you could see that the, the, the smoke was rising up from data analysis if you try to go too far with it, right? Try to, do, try to pull too much down. It would, it would start to wheeze and start to smoke. And I was like, I, I, oh, in the back of my head, I was like, oh, wait, I, I can't wait for us to redo this. And then our, you know, our head of tech, Frank, was like, hey, listen, you know, we, we, it's, it's pretty dumb if you do a big user experience update to data analysis and you don't upgrade the servers. It would be really dumb. Like it would be like putting a, you know, brand new tires, right, you know, sport mode to a car, but you keep the same engine. Like that doesn't make any sense. Like you've seen this, right? You've seen this, like the tinted windows and you've got the, the sport tires and the cool rims and everything else. And it's, it's still got that little, that little four cylinder, you know, there's you, no big block. It's just, it's just nothing. Small block. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, what are you doing here? No, we need a whole, whole car needs to come together. And this is going, we're going full. I, yeah. I think data analysis is going full hot rod. I think it's the best way to say it. Uh, and then we're going to add like a rate my team 
for your draft kit because you're gonna you and you and Theo are really gonna own the draft kit this year, so that's exciting. We're gonna bring a, a whole a league sync feature to the Dynasty Dominator and the Dynasty Deluxe package. You're gonna have your own cheat sheets everywhere, like in the in the draft kit and everything. There's gonna be the Billy cheat sheet. We're gonna have a draft simulator because now that we're partnered with the FFPC, I think we can you know have a little pre pre announcement of uh, the FFPC partnership that we have coming. It's gonna be starting soon and. We're going to be surfacing their ADPs, and we're going to have specific rankings for the FFPC, and that's very exciting. We're actually going to have a, a brand new ADP tool for the public on every player page that features uh, FFPC, both Dynasty and their their main event ADPs. So there's a lot of cool integrations we can do with the FFPC. That's all coming, and that was like your first thing. That was like a, on day one. Billy starts day one, March one. He's like. Yeah, first day, uh, we're going to do a big partnership with the FFPC. I've been waiting to do that uh, my first day. And I was like, that's a pretty hell of a first day, Bill. <laughs> love, to, love to kick it off with a bang, right? You want to walk in and just kind of mic drop. And that's that's that was the plan. This is what we did. Um, loving the partnership. I love that the integration that we're going to have from a drafting perspective, myself as a high stakes player, being able to utilize our, our site look at the ADP, look at, you know, FFPC ranks, my ranks, you know, and, and being able to just take it all in in one place. It's going to be like the dream come true for a high stakes player. Rankings and ADP all on the site that you want to play at in order to win a million dollars. I'm excited. Yeah, it's great. And you and Dario have been working really well together. Hand in glove, the master and the machine. Uh, that's a... Uh, alluding to a show that you will have with Dario coming up. So we're working on the art right. and working on the planning of the, the show where you and Dario debate players where, hey, the algorithm's saying this and Billy's processes are saying that. Who's right, right? And it's like, well, you have the credibility. You were the, the top ranker over there at Fantasy Pros. So you're going to ha have an upper hand in some of those arguments right off the bat. And then Dario's going to have to come with, you know, analytics and real numbers-based evidence to say, hey, actually, Bill, no, actually, actually, I can't wait for you guys. I know you guys are going to disagree. Like, Trey Lance will be one. Trey Lance is such a Dario guy, and I know that you've told me offhand that you don't think he can play, and I'm like, oh, man, Dario's not going to like to hear that one. Oh. Yeah, I can't wait to pull the card. Dario, uh, I'm the number one ranker. No, that, that's, that's not right. Until you until you're the number one ranker, Dario, that's I'm not even listening to, the, to that argument. But these, <laughs> you're gonna have to come up with more than that, though. You're you're gonna you're gonna have an hour to fill. You can't just you can't just say well. You can't just say oh resume. Yeah, I I, I just no the numbers are lying, Dario. I'm not, I, I don't like the numbers there these, because sometimes we have to look at the human element, right? It's not just the analytics. It has to be about the coach, the scheme. It has to be about the fit. It has to be about the, you know, the chemistry between the two players, the shower narrative, right? We have the Cooper Cup and the Staffords, right? There's there's all sorts of different human elements that need to be considered when we're doing these rankings, these projections. And yes, the analytics are important, and that is a base of what I do as well. Like Dari and I are using the same machine. We're just using it in different aspects. And and uh, I can't wait to to debate with him on on our different processes and our and our analysis and our projections because we, we already have differences and and we're up late at night and we're we're doing uh, you know the CSV files and we're uploading things in 
and I'm like, we're, we're, it, Trey Lance has already been mentioned in in these discussions. I'm sure. And and I said, you know what? I don't really care who that is because if, whoever that Niners quarterback is going to be is going to be right here. If that's going to be Purdy, it's going to be Purdy. If that's going to be Lance, it's going to be Lance. But as of right now, I'm still betting on it being Purdy. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes, I am. All right. Disagree. I disagree. I'm Team Dario when it comes to Trey Lance. We we did a we did an industry mock. We'll talk about our industry mock that we did a little bit later. But I I am a little more analytical, and I tend to fall on Dario's side on a lot of things. But we have the whole range of of thought here. That's what I think is really separates us from any other service that's out there. Is this the complete range of we're not just a fantasy service. We're also an NFL media company. We were at the Super Bowl, Radio Row. We we saw very few others from any kind of fantasy operators there. I think Roto World was there and maybe a handful of others, but that was about it, right? So we're at the Senior Bowl. We're at the Combine. We're at the Super Bowl. We're going to have a huge presence at the draft. But then we also have you know the intellectual firepower of – you know, mathematicians and top high stakes players like yourselves and, and, and Theo that have, you know, tens of thousands of dollars of winnings. And I sort of feel like a hairy Professor Xavier. That's what, this is <laughs> this is how I feel. I, I feel like we really have assembled. This is one of the reasons why I'm so excited is I feel like we've really we finally assembled the full X-Men cast cast of characters so that that's oh man, am I Wolverine? Look at this! Look at this! You're hair. definitely Wolverine. Of course, you're Wolverine. <laughs> that's not even a question. Wolverine's like the best character. Dibs, I call dibs. Yeah, you you could be absolutely, and they, and you're gonna have like that's not even the only show you're gonna you're, you're so you have the Dominator show. Basically, I'm now a tourist on the Dominator show. Billy is the main guy with the Dominator show, and you're going to start to have guests in the Dominator show. I'm going to come on, you know, when I can. Certainly, uh, I will. I will be here for you. Uh, but you're going to also do a show with Dario that we talked about. We yep. debate players, but then you're also going to do a show with Theo, which That's is right. focused on the uh, the high stakes lifestyle as well as the uh, the strategy and and everything else. That's going to be called First Class Fantasy. That's going to have an aviation theme to it. I love the, yeah. I love theming these shows. It's so that's one of my my happy places. Man, just talking with you like off the air, you're just like spitballing like all these ideas, and they're just like perfect in terms of what we were going to be calling the shows. And I'm just like, did, did you pre-think these before we met up? And you're like, no, this is just what I do. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, what if we called it this? You know, because I remember with Nate Nate uh, Polvote, where right? he has the new show. And I was like, what about um, Dear Mr. Fantasy? You want, you want to be Mr. Fantasy? And he's like, yeah, I could be Mr. Fantasy. I'm like, well, okay, Mr. <laughs> Fantasy. All right, Mr. Fantasy, you got a mailbag show. Go uh, go, go, mailbag. And then the, my, my favorite was Jason and Matt with the Trade God show. That's a good name. They were they were throwing all these names at me, right? They were throwing, oh, they were, th- dude, I had, they were workshopping that fuck out of that show. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> They had so many different, you know, trade this and dynasty that. And I was like, guys, guys, you're the trade gods. And they were like, no, nah, I don't know. That sounds a little too, that sounds a little too ambitious. I don't know if we can really be. I was like, you're the trade gods. Say it. 
Say it. <laughs> and they were like, fine, we're the trade gods. And they were like, but sarcastically. They were sarcastic about it. Like They were like kicking and screaming with this name. And I'm like, you guys just wait. I can't get, give it a month. And you come back to me and you tell me, now the next thing I know, these guys are, are photoshopping themselves on clouds with lightning bolts, and they're leaning into it. They created a whole Twitter account with the trade gods, and I'm like, well, it sounds like you really think this is a apropos name after all, don't you? You really like how that, that, that trade god's name fits, huh? Kind of worked out. It worked out, didn't it? All right. Well, that's a lesson to all of you would-be podcasters who I am helping to find a name for your show. Take it seriously, even though it sounds silly. That's what I would say. We need to talk about fantasy drafts, though. Yeah, let's get into football. Enough about us and this and these football shows. Yeah, we're really... That was very meta. It was worth it, though. We needed to do it. Well, I, I, I really... I, I told Jason and Matt, I was like, listen, I'm going to talk about this trade god's name and you know that, that you were not all all the way on board originally that's going to come up at some point yeah that's noted so now all the meta is behind us let's look forward to fantasy draft season after this you know wednesday's my rival day rival fantasy i'm submitting my fantasy books i'm filling out my bingo card and i was like hey, podfather what are, what are you doing wednesday's not the best nba day it's sunday or it's no no Saturday. And actually, no, it's Friday. Have you seen what Doncic is doing? Embiid, Doncic, Lillard, Giannis, SGA, Tatum, all over thirty points per game, and LeBron James. LeBron James at age thirty-eight. LeBron James is thirty-eight. He's at twenty-nine point five points per game. Jalen Brown's having a career year. Jalen Brown. My dad is a giant Celtics fan. And he's been a Jalen Brown believer from the begin from the absolute beginning. I'm trying to get him on Rival, Rival Fantasy. The promo code there is player player. Refunds up to $50 of any losses. So there's no downside checking out the platform, rivalfantasy.com. The promo code is player. What do you believe are the greatest points of leverage? when you're drafting in February and March? Oh man, I love this time of year. You can completely take advantage of ADP. ADP right now in February and March is the wild, wild west. Players are going all over the place. We're seeing ADPs fluctuate from 20 to 30 spots at times. And people are just going out and drafting their guy. They don't really care about average draft position. We're starting to get at least a sense or a feel of average draft position as we're settling into March. It's kind of crazy to think about, right? Like ADP is settling in March. Well, it is. Like if you were to start drafting like right when drafts hit the street, you know, Super Bowl time, it was all over the place. And we're starting to get a feel for it. We're starting to get a sense. However, there's still a lot of value to be had at a lot of positions. And the beauty about it is kind of putting together the matrix, right? Trying to understand the flow of draft boards. Is it going to be a zero running back year? Are you going to be able to wait on tight end? Are you going to be able to wait on quarterback? And the answer with all of that is yes this year. Like you can wait. You're not able to wait on quarterback. You're not able to wait on tight end. You're able to get running backs late again. There is already kind of a a, a matrix puzzle being solved in terms of the, the way the board is flowing because you can't go in with one set plan. Like last year, 
my philosophy was wait on quarterback, right? It worked in a lot of leagues. It didn't work in some because if you didn't hit on certain late quarterbacks last year, you were kind of SOL, right? The top-end quarterbacks last year just had such a, a, a difference in fantasy points compared to previous years that it really separated teams. So if you didn't hit on all the positional players last year, it was really hard to make up for the difference of quarterback points. This year, we've seen that in the adjustments in ADP. Quarterbacks are going in round one. We have, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen going in one, two turns. You know, Jalen Hurts also going in round two. And, and, and so we're seeing that ADP be pushed up the boards already in February and March with the quarterbacks. I still think there's value to be had in some late-round quarterbacks this year. I'm not fully out on late-round quarterback in 2023. I think it's just a... a large uncertainty at the position like we don't know some of the quarterback situations you look at you know the saints you look at the falcons you look at the niners i mean there's so many teams there's probably about six or seven teams right now that you can look at and say who's going to be the starting quarterback or the flip side where is quarterback x going to start like lamar jackson and so that uncertainty right now is 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 one of the driving factors behind ADP, as well as just the the clear separation of fantasy points from the 2022 season. So I think that we will have a point where that does settle down. I don't think we're going to see it quite to the extreme of last year, where you're able to get you know Mahomes in round five at times, and usually in round four. I do think he'll settle somewhere in that two to three range, but I don't think he's going to be around one pick as frequently as we're seeing right now in February and March. So um, there is a downside to drafting now, and that's one of them is you're kind of some positions come at a premium. Um, but if you are able to finagle around the draft room, you're getting some extreme value at the positionals like running back and, and wide receiver. Would you say that was the number one reason why your 2022 fantasy teams on average underperformed your 2021 fantasy teams was that you generally implement a late round quarterback strategy and the mid round quarterback slash early quarterbacks netted such value in 2022 that that could be the number one differentiator between your 2021 success and your 2022 success. Yeah, I think that definitely played a large factor tight end included in that right there it was the same phenomenon at that position right where the the top end tight ends like look at kelsey right kelsey just again dominated the position and severely outscored everybody else um and then outside that it was kind of a wasteland behind you know tight end two and three and so i, I think between those two positions waiting as long as i did in both drafts i think it definitely uh hindered my profits uh, I definitely was profitable still, but there was it wasn't to the level of profitability that I saw in 2021. And right. I think, like you mentioned, I think that is because you know it was it was easier to hit on quarterbacks and like getting Rodgers in round 11 on his MVP year was was a win, right? Getting you know Jared Goff late last year was a win, but I was also drafting Davis Mills, right? And so there was a flip side to that coin. You may hit on one late round quarterback, but you're going to miss on another one, and so. Yes, the teams with you know Carson Wentz and Jared Goff worked out well because Wentz had a strong first five, six games, and then Goff took out, took, caught fire at the second half of the year. So if you were able to hit the combo correctly, it really paid off. But if you didn't have that perfect combo like that, you were at a severe disadvantage versus the players who had Patrick Mahomes, yeah. Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen. You would have had to hit the perfect late-round combo. And in my opinion, that was Goff and Wentz last year. Like anyone else? 
Fields, I think, was also included in that, of course. He was going late as well, but that was kind of the cheat code. It was a really bad first four weeks, five weeks, and they finally figured out, oh, maybe if we have him run the ball, he's good. Okay, they figured it out, and then he right. became a fantasy cheat code. But from a pocket passing standpoint, those two late quarterbacks were the, were the, were the matrix solver. Even if you had Tua, he faded. He did fade, yeah. Right, so Tua was good in the first half, faded in the second half. It, it's always... Almost always, not always, but sometimes, maybe, usually, always, but not quite always, sometimes, always, but most of the time, sometimes, always. Always, always. I just think back to Cam Newton's rookie year, right? right. You can think back to the Colin Kaepernick breakout, go on down the board, Josh Allen's third year. These quarterbacks that are mobile, when they hit, they hit big. That's right. And if you are going to go late round quarterback, you, you better not be drafting pocket passer X. My mistake was I thought I could get away with a Kirk Cousins late, right? That also didn't work out, mm-hmm. right? That you, you were you were okay, you were competitive, yeah, but it was you, kind of vanilla. You, you you were getting you were getting leveraged by people with Jalen Hurts, and that was just that was that was unfortunate, right? That was unfortunate. I was like, listen, well, you know, I'm going Kirk Cousins. How how is this guy not going to be prolific? And he found a way to not be prolific. It was really weird. I thought that was weird. When you have a guy like Cousins, you don't fully appreciate while the season is happening what you're missing out on. It's so you, true. It, it, it's 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 only until once the season is over and you go back and look and you're like, Cousins hurt me. But at the time, I'm like, he's putting up 17 points. He's putting up 19 points. He just had 22 points. It's fine. This is fine. right? My other players are, are, are the reason why I'm winning here, but fine. And then you look back at like there were people that were winning matchups because of their quarterback week in, week out. And if you're not giving yourself that opportunity with a mobile quarterback, if you're just going cousins, you're playing it too safe. Upside wins championships, and Kirk Cousins ain't it. Right, so shame on me. Watch him be the MVP. I mean, watch him be the MVP this year. I mean, I was just about to say he's actually kind of high on my rankings this I year. I know, I know. That's the thing, right? Shame I, on. I me. really like him this year. I love him. I love him this year again. I'm telling you in advance. Let's get it over with early March. I'm gonna be back. Right, it's gonna happen again. I'm gonna be drafting a bunch of cousins again. And just remember, I said it. Remember, I said it here. This is not the highest upside play. He had a great stretch, though, down the run. Like He had week 14, he was quarterback five. Week 15, quarterback three. Week 16, quarterback six. He had a 20 and a 16 you know, thereafter. But playoffs, week 19, he's quarterback five. So it, when they throw the ball and they have him actually you know, in there throwing the ball more than you know, 39 times, like those other weeks, he was 31 and 20 attempts. Like when you look back and his successful weeks, he's throwing the ball 40 times a game and he's you know, targeting Justin Jefferson. So if they continue with that strategy, I, I, that's why I like him right now. I think that they're going to continue to throw the ball. I, I'm going to go back to it. I'm going to go back well. to it. I think he was unlucky last year. That's an easy stack. If you have an early pick, you have the one or the two, and you end up with Justin Jefferson, it's just the easiest stack you've ever seen. He's been super competitive. I mean, he did actually – have his second highest passing yard season of his career. It's just that he also had his lowest yards per attempt at 7.1. So that's that's what it was. He was technically a QB1. He was a top 12 quarterback, 18 fantasy points a game right there. 
and then his expected fantasy points a game, 18, right? So you, you could say, well, he actually wasn't unlucky. He was he gave you exactly what you were thinking he was going to give you, and then he gave you that thing. They passed the ball 40 times a game. They were number three in the league in pass attempts, but it's still possible that you get one of these high touchdown rate seasons. He didn't he didn't give you any positive variance, right? It was just the, the exact number of touchdowns, 29, that he should have delivered on those number of attempts and, 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 and the air yards that he put up. But 35 touchdowns, absolutely in that range of outcomes with that volume in his abilities and the yards after the catch ability of, of players like Justin Jefferson and now TJ Hawkinson. The addition of TJ Hawkinson, if they had TJ Hawkinson the entire year, he would have given you 19 and a half fantasy points a game. All right. Looking at the projections, I haven't projected for 560 attempts, 372 completions. I have met a 5.4 touchdown rate. That brings him to a 30.2 passing touchdowns and 4,144 yards. So I am projecting a career year for Kirk Cousins here in 2023. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go back. <laughs> See, see, I'm back. I'm back. That's how easy it is. That's how easy. Sold. It is. Now, now I'm back. Sold. But I can tell you this: I'm gonna be more likely to push the button in those double-digit rounds on a mobile quarterback, whoever that yeah. is. And you're not gonna like it, but in this in this mock that we did together with my second quarterback in a best ball draft, I took Trey Lance. Hmm. Mm. Mm, man mm. i mean where you got him it was fine people are taking him in like round 10 9 i'm not what? okay in that range i've seen him go earlier it's like oh, you got him man, at a no. you got him at a discount here and i think that where you took him is completely fine especially like at the 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 cost and the in the potential bust factor there like um i took him at the end of the 14th round yeah that, that's a discount so, right, so I took him. It was uh, Lance, and the next quarterback off the board was Rodgers. And it was the only reason I drafted him is because you took Russell Wilson three picks earlier. Mm-hmm. I mean, you yeah, went on good. a you went on a you went a nice little uh, Skype uh, uh, snipe run on me. <laughs> you sniped me earlier. <laughs> yeah, because you you, you Gainwell Wilson. You went back to back. I was like, man, because I was debating between Chark and Gainwell. And I was like, structure wise, I gotta go wide receiver. You gotta be loyal to the structure. You got you gotta have discipline. You can't that's the thing. That's the mistake people make is they 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 let a shiny player they like override what they know is the optimal structure. And I already had four running backs at the time. I only had like six wide receivers. And if you have four running backs and six wide receivers in a best ball league, your next pick should be a wide receiver, all else equal when you're comparing running back and wide receiver and Chark was still on the board. And I was happy to get Campbell and Chark because I believe that early best ball drafts are won by leaning into uncertainty absolutely, and identifying the types of players that can benefit most from events, either breaking for or against them, but at least put yourself in a position to be on the positive side of these events, breaking a particular way that means investing in more backup running backs with upside like a Kenny Gainwell than you would otherwise and then we hear oh Josh Jacobs he's likely franchise tagged 
And it's like, okay, well, maybe it's not going to work out for Zamir White, but that doesn't mean that Zamir White wasn't a great pick for the entire month of February. He absolutely was. You need to just set yourself up and give yourself a chance. And that was another player late in that draft that you sniped me on was Zamir White. Even if they, they bring back Josh Jacobs, it doesn't matter. It was good process, Billy. Good job. Yeah, I, I, I thought you were speaking directly at me when you were mentioning that because I, I I was caught on the wrong side of variance there. But if you look at every one of my running backs, every single one of them has some question marks in free agency. Look at Ramondre Stevenson. I'm expecting Harris to be gone. When that happens, the world reacts. Stevenson will probably move up a full round, in my opinion. Look at Cook, right? James Who Cook. Knows, who knows what they do inside of the draft? Well, So that could affect his draft stock as well. Look at Kareem Hunt, free agent right now. We don't know where he's going to go, but if he lands in the right situation, he's probably two rounds higher. Gainwell, what happens if they don't get Miles Sanders and they don't take another back until like day three in this draft? Gainwell's going to shoot up the, shoot up draft boards. I was hoping Josh Jacobs would be moved or not come back to the Raiders and that Zamir White would have at least a larger role here in 2023. Kyron Williams, another thing that we don't know what's going to happen to the Rams per se, but we know it's going to be Akers, but Kyron Williams right now is the running back too, like it or not. He's going to have a role. And then Pierre Strong was directly tied to Ramondre Stevenson. As, and I, we mentioned this last year. I, I liked him as a, as a kind of a, a stash. And this year, I think he has a, a, a decent-sized role inside this offense. So all of my running backs were predicated around what you just mentioned. And it was risking it for the biscuit and trying to hit a home run early in these drafts and fall on the right side of variance. You did it. You did it. So let me, let me explain. In, in 2011... Shane Vereen had 15 rush attempts for 57 yards. Okay. And then, you know, the next few years he had over 400 receiving yards. He was never a, never a volume rusher, but in 2013, 16.8 fantasy points per game. I don't know how the hell he did that. Uh, you know, he, he did it in only eight games, right? So he caught 47 passes in eight games. That's almost a hundred catches in a 16 game season. The guy was a volume monster in the passing game and was completely unused as a rookie. And we liked the Pierre strong profile. Pierre strong looks a lot like Shane Vereen. This is like a faster version of Shane Vereen. He has a great receiving profile and is essentially the Shane Vereen of the new England Patriots. And you never know what's going to happen. If and when Damian Harris goes elsewhere, it's everybody. It's Stevenson. It's Kevin Harris. It's Pierre Strong that all bump up as soon as that happens. I'm already, I'm, I'm like relying on, I'm, I don't think it's if, I think it's just when. There's no way in my mind that they're going to re-sign Harris. Yeah, Pierre Strong is best comparable on player profiler to Elijah Mitchell. He is five pounds heavier than Shane Vereen was and faster. And just just a reminder, just a quick just a quick reminder at South Dakota State, he had 20 catches in nine games, and then he had 22 catches the next year. But in that year, we had 22 catches, uh, 1600 plus rushing yards. He was a monster. And we saw him take South it Dakota to the house State. last week week well, last year week 14 against Arizona. We had that 90 yard, you know total yard game against Arizona. He finishes running back 12 and he just had, you know, a limited snap share. I think he was 20, yeah, 26% snap share that week running back 12. It just shows you the upside that he has free in drafts too right now, by the way. Yeah. 
7.0 yards per carry in college. Take he was it. a fourth rounder. That's the same round as Zamir White, same round as, well, same round as uh, a breakout running back on the Houston Texans. Okay. So, I mean, I'm not saying, but that. Th- the new the fourth round is the new third round, right? So that's that's impressive. I like him a lot. I think that if there is a free agent running back who we could be certain is not going back to his existing team, other than Kareem Hunt, it's yeah, it's got to be. I would say Kareem Hunt would be number one. I know Kareem Hunt is gone, and then the yeah. next guy would be Damian Harris. Correct. Yeah, and technically. Pierre Strong was drafted a hell hell of a lot higher than Kevin Harris, right? And Ramondre Stevenson was also a fourth round pick. He and Stevenson were drafted around the same spot. Again, fourth round. That was again the Damian Pierce draft round. So many teams, I think, are now circling the fourth round as the as the the time when they get their running backs have the discipline to hold out and not push the button on that running back you love in the third round, wait, hold, 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 and teams are doing that now. Teams are doing that. Back in the day, I mean, Miles Sanders was a second-round pick. Joe Mixon was a second-round pick. Those guys wouldn't be second-round picks now. Those are third-round picks, right? A.J. Dillon was a second-round pick. Not the way they value running backs now. You know, if if Antonio Gibson were in the draft in 2023, he'd be a fourth-rounder, not a third-rounder. And on and on down the board. So all the more reason to be bullish on Pierre Strong and just pick him up at the very end of drafts. So I like the running backs that are not yet primary backs on their depth chart that have free agents above them on the depth chart and have the requisite size, athleticism, and production profile in college to at least command a, say, 55% opportunity share. Like if something happens to Ramondre Stevenson, he misses time, it's very possible that Pierre Strong actually gets more opportunities, more weighted opportunities, especially when you if you put a bonus on, you know, the the targets generate a lot more fantasy points than carries. So he would absolutely get more weighted opportunities if it was a split between Strong and Harris should something happen to Ramondre Stevenson. And because they've been investing in the running back position the last few years, in the fourth round consistently, we can also be pretty certain that the Patriots aren't going to draft a running back with early capital. That's another leverage point for best ball drafts in February is to draft rookie running backs because this rookie wide receiver class is on the underwhelming side and the rookie running back class is exceeding expectations so far in the process. We've already had more running backs at the Senior Bowl impressed than we were expecting, and I think we're going to see that at the Combine, too. There's going to be some fast times uh, surprising us, and you're going to see a bunch of running backs rising up the board. And so that's what I did. In this particular uh, industry mock that we were talking about, you went Gainwell, you went Zamir White, I was going Roshan Johnson, Kendra Miller. That's the direction I was going. In addition to you know the, the most obvious of the... Uh, Number two running backs that are waiting to, to become the number one would be Khalil Herbert, right? So if we were ranking most likely pending free agent running backs to leave, it would be Kareem Hunt, it'd be Damian Harris, and then David Montgomery would have to be up there. 
I think he's he's up there. Yeah, it's just the Bears though. You never know what they're gonna do. Yeah, he's, he's just the Bears. You don't know. You don't. If no one, you really don't. I, I'm not. I'm not. But I mean, Khalil <laughs> Herbert, where I got him, round nine, early round nine. I was very happy to get him there. But I was even more happy then to come back with Miller, come back with Roshan Johnson in that zone. Also looking at Zach Charbonnet is also a great pick in that area. So it. it even if you're not doing the work, all you need to do is go to the the mock drafts. We have a mock draft index on Player Profiler in the in the Dynasty Deluxe section. There's the mock draft index where Cody aggregates like 15 different mock drafts, and you can see where these guys are supposed to go. And if you just filter by running back, and you, and I and I can I can read it to you right now. I can read to you from the mock draft index the positions. And you go, uh, Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs are going to be the first two running backs off the board for sure. And then it just goes down from there, right? It goes down from there. A-Chain, he's probably going to go on day two, right? There's one. And then you, and, and I, I think that Roshan Johnson is going to get second-round capital after he shreds the combine. Zach Charbonnet should go on day two. Kendra Miller should go on day two. Zach Evans should go. Tank Bigsby. So we're talking about eight running backs that we can project to go in day one or two. It's it's a coin flip whether Bijan goes in round one because we might be just post first round running back in the NFL draft. We we, we just may never see it again. I think someone will do it. Someone will do it. And someone will do it. <laughs> we want to keep saying say this every year, and then no, someone's going <laughs> to draft a running back in the first round. It happens. <laughs> Najee Harris first round. Travis Etienne went in the first round. Just, yep. just bad, 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 bad. But, Where do you uh, think Ty J Spears goes? I, I like this kid. See, talking to Ray Garvin, he thinks that Ty J Spears could go as high as the second round. Wow, I would be shocked if he goes second round. But I, looking at like his character and just some of his tape, I, I, I really like him. I do. Israel Abanaconda also could be incredibly athletic. That was impressive that you pronounced that that that, that seamlessly. Oh, thank you. He's twenty years old. I love that he's twenty. I love that Kendra Miller's twenty. Love these young guys that are potentially going to shred the the. The combine so it's like well why is this guy coming out early why is this guy coming out early it's like well they're coming out early because you know the scouts they go to the practices and they time these guys all right hold and, it time out i want you to pronounce zion's name i'm not i'm not even gonna try his last name the kid from washington the edge rusher i think he's number 32 right now in our our big board number 32 on the mock draft index yeah please pronounce that for me oh uh zion tupaola fatui is that right? No, I, I, that's that's all I know is what you just said. I have never been able to pronounce. I can't even pronounce it in my head. Trying to trying to pronounce it in my head. Like my my brain gets twisted trying to pronounce it. I don't know. That was that's a fun one. I love it. I I, I wish him all the best. I think he's gonna be great. Yeah, we have mocked the first. Yeah, there, there's and then in this particular mock draft, I also went with rookie wide receivers. Now, there's another there's another way you can get leverage. I think that I prefer the rookie running backs. Yeah. But again, you don't need to know anything. Right? You don't need to know anything. I would lean on running backs with size before the combine and then after the combine I would I would prefer running backs with size and speed when I'm deciding which 
running backs to draft in best ball. And luckily we have player profiler and it's right there in front of you. But you could just go to our rookie rankings and you can see the top eight to 10 running backs will likely go day one or two. You could, it doesn't matter. Just throw any of Eric Gray, Tajay Spears, everyone we listed, just get them, get them. Any of them go day two. It's a win in your best ball drafts. It's a little harder to project these wide receivers outside the 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 elite guys that you know are going to be first rounders. It, you're you're hoping that they go in the second round, ideally early second round, but then they can fall into the third round, and then you might be in a Diami Brown situation. So it it it's definitely trickier with the wide receivers. I still think it's worth at least two dart throws at the end of drafts on wide receivers that have great profiles that are that we have in our top ten rookie wide receivers on player profile. I think that's worth it. That's what I did too. I think that's that's a, a leverage point. On the mock draft index, we have Josh Downs as a fringe first rounder, and I was able to draft him all the way down in round 18. At the end of round 18, Josh Downs. Oh, baby. How do you not like yeah. that? I got a guy that is projected to be selected at slot 32 in the NFL draft. He could be the Jahan Dotson of this class, and to get him at a point where others are drafting Darius Slayton and Robert Woods and Tyquan Thornton and Russell Gage, that to me is a win, Billy. Yeah, shooting for upside at that point, and I think that's the right call. That's 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 where you want to take these gambles, right? And and yes, you know you can take calculated risk earlier with some more certain pieces or what we're deeming more certain. But I love taking those late round shots on those rookies that have potential upside as well. I mean, it, it's it's going to be very dependent on landing spots with some of these these later picks. But um, when you compare them to the the veterans that you just named. I mean, those are uninspiring names, and and we know what those players are at this point in their career. We know their ceiling and their floors are only going to continue to crater. And you know, downs at this point is is the unknown, and the uh, these the ceiling could be you know untapped right now in terms of the potential upside of a rookie, not necessarily downs, but just a rookie in general in the NFL at that late in the draft. I can tell you at the Senior Bowl, scouts love Rashi Rice. They love Rashi Rice because he has a little more size. He has the prolific yep. production, but he has the size that a guy like Tank Dell, Nathaniel Dell, does not have. That's why we happen to have Rice ahead of Dell in the rankings. Check out the rankings on Player Profile to see where we have all these guys ranked. But you can, you can go down the board. you got Hyatt. You've got Flowers. You've got Jaden Reed. You've got so many options. Some of these guys don't even get drafted in 20 rounds. Of a best ball draft, these guys don't get drafted? No way, man. No way. We're talking about these guys could go top 50 in the draft. You got to you gotta get these guys in your roster. What do you think you're getting? What are you getting out of Adam Thielen? Are you drafting Adam Thielen? <laughs> I think I did in this draft, actually. I think, did you draft? Is that you that drafted Adam Thielen? I, th I think I did. What are you doing? I think for me, it was uh, he might be returning, right, depending upon contract. If he does... He's going to catch a few touchdowns. It was touchdown dependent is what it was because I took players like Mechie, who has uncertainty right now. I took players like Ooh, um, I, I like Mechie this year. I, you know, the word on the street is he's going to be ready for camp. So um, it, I love looking at last year's shiny toys 
that maybe underperformed or in this scenario wasn't able to play because of the, you know, unfortunate circumstance with his health. But he's back. Like, people forget how good Mechie was just because he skipped a year. But coming back into this offense that could be potentially, you know, bad again, even under the new head coach, is going to be playing from behind in a lot of scenarios, a lot of pass attempts. Mechie, to me, is is a candidate for – um, you know, the number two role on, on that offense if Brandon Cook stays. So uh, there's a lot of a lot of things to like about Mechie. Once upon a time, James Conner beat cancer, mm-hmm. right? James Conner did it. Others can do it, right? It's not, it's not a career ender necessarily. I know it sounds crazy, like he, this guy has leukemia, but it's a, yeah, it's a particular type of leukemia that you can come back from. James Conner has how many carries in the NFL? How many thousand carries does James Conner have in the NFL post-cancer? Why not John Mechie? Yeah, it's such such a great story. Such a great story. You'd love to yeah. hear it. I hope hope we can stay the same with Mechie. Absolutely. That was a great pick. You had awesome picks. Like you, Your upside picks that I liked, not Thielen. Yeah, we'll, just, we'll just ignore the Thielen pick. Forget that. Uh, but <laughs> Mechie, but also, dude, this one was like, I was like slapping my forehead, Odell. Yeah, that's a that's a that's that's a pure gamble. Is it though? He's coming back. Is he not coming back? What do you mean? He's coming back, but he's not gonna. I mean, we're never gonna see the same Odell that people are used to. Like when when you think of Odell, everyone's mind immediately goes to the catch, right? Those days are gone. Like we're not gonna see that Odell Beckham ever again, in my opinion. He's he's now past his 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 peak and. In the right landing spot, he can produce as a number two. I, in no way, shape, or form do I think he'll ever be a number one again in the NFL. Can, can we talk about a comment in the yeah. chat real quick uh, from uh, Toronto Dave? Toronto Dave, he I love that he loves Josh Downs because we, we like Josh Downs, and, and he likes Josh Downs, and that's great. But he also he had a comment. He said, uh, my friend Duchesne's is a Mechie advocate. Intriguing. Uh Hey Dave, we we don't we 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 don't know Duchesne's. What what are, you, what are you talking about? Nobody knows who that is. If you said maybe like Colin Cowherd or something, right? People, <laughs> or someone in the industry, Matthew Barry, whatever, right? Uh, who Duchesne's? What do you mean? This is we're not at a bar just talking among two people, three people who happen to be friends from high school that happen to know this guy Duchesne's. This is this is YouTube. <laughs> this is a podcast. This is thousands of people. They don't. What do you? Wh- what? But I'm glad that there is another guy that you know that happens to like Mechie. That's good. Jokes on you. He's a film grinder for uh, you know the NFL, and he's he's been analyzing film for the last 28 years. <laughs> Maybe. I, I mean, I Maybe. hope so. I hope so because you know I'm I I have to admit, sadly, you don't know Duchesne? It's Deep Dive Duchesne. That's his nickname. No, I I have to admit that I I, I forgot about Mechie. Yeah, yeah, Mechie's sneaky right now. He's super sneaky. I have to admit it. I mean, I have to. And now you hear this news that like, well, you know, Brandon Cooks' future is uncertain, right? What's going to happen with Brandon Cooks? Eh, right. You also went and drafted a player that I was uh, kicking myself that I didn't select. But I don't know the the, the receiver I had selected prior. I like better. But let's talk about it. Let's talk about these two players. I think this is a good dichotomy. I went Josh Palmer. I like Palmer. 
And then a couple rounds later, you went Rondale Moore. I think you got better value on Moore mm-hmm. than I did on on Palmer. But I think they're I'm both just, good picks. I really like Rondale Moore this year. I yeah, I love Rondale Moore. He's actually listed as my guy on the bios that are soon to be released. Um, Rondale Moore, in my opinion, I mean, especially you think about it. DeAndre Hopkins is more than likely going to be traded, right? And so once that happens again, people are reactive. They're going to react, and Rondell Moore is going to climb up probably two rounds, in my opinion. Uh, you look at kind of a, a breakout metric that I I do on the side, like a, a model, and Rondell Moore's name popped up on that model in three separate occasions. Uh, and I just love the fact that I – mean, so health is, of course, number one concern with him is size. If he can get over that size, but – um, you know, despite playing in, in limited games last year, he was like, I think, wide receiver 25 or 6 and yards after the catch. You know, his concern is ADOT, but if he's able to, you know, increase that ADOT and just maintain the yard of the catch, we could be looking at like a, a, a Jalen Waddle light season. And so I think that, yes, the quarterback situation is a little bit alarming right now, but once Kyler's back, I think that's going to, you know, it's going to be just self-resolved in in the meantime an inexperienced quarterback is going to favor the tight end position is also going to favor the slot and i expect rondell morty playing in the slot so i i like him regardless of who's at helm and i'm anticipating deandre hopkins being moved so i i think that rondell moore is going to see some increased target share as well and he was already in the 19 percent range i like the incremental growth in the commanding of targets i like that a lot to go from a 15 percent target share to a 20 percent target share that to me is great. I mean, think about it. Guy only played in eight games and he gets 56 targets. Yeah, he was a monster. So he was on pace for a hundred plus target season and his yards per reception. Look across all the metrics, right? The air yards, the yards per reception, everything, the target rate, targets per route run, all of it going up incrementally. Not a giant spike that screams small sample trap. A nice, yep. clean, incremental growth indicator for Rondale Moore and then he has what a lot of these running backs like he's essentially the wide receiver version of Khalil Herbert where it's like this guy is a screaming value right now because he's the odds-on favorite to be a starter for his team and in Rondale Moore's case he was already commanding targets right before now no Hopkins I'm not even that sure that Marquise Brown is better than Rondale Moore. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Rondale Moore is better at separation. I mean, he's also yeah. working. He's also working underneath, and so he's able to get you know free a little bit more. But Rondale Moore is bigger. Rondale Moore is more versatile. If I were starting NFL franchise, I would rather have Rondale Moore than Marquise Brown. Is he bigger? I don't even know without looking at that. Is he? Oh yeah, Rondale Moore is tiny. No, Rondale Moore is 181 pounds. Marquise Brown's like 165. Marquise Brown is thin. Marquise Brown has absolutely no body mass whatsoever. He's just taller, just a couple inches taller. He's 5'9". Yeah, he's a, he's a little taller, which means his BMI is so... He has like the lowest BMI. It's hard <laughs> to have a lower BMI than Marquise Brown. Like, he's very flimsy. Like, he... he you know, he's... Though he... In fairness, like, he's had two seasons where he's played 16 games so that doesn't necessarily mean that he is likely to get injured i just would always expect him to command more targets down the field look at the yards per reception 
it's been collapsing from 13.3 to 11.1 to 10.6. You know, his yards per reception was similar to Rondell Moore. Yeah. On a on on you know twice the air yards. You know, all the metrics aside, I'm really curious what Deshane has to say about these two. You know, I just I would love to see. I wonder. <laughs> he's a real expert, this guy. I've heard that he 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 he's he's bullish. <laughs> I'd love to see his model. I'd love to see the model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, he's 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 super bullish on on certain players we like, especially Mechie. Yes. He likes Mechie. He likes Rondell Moore. You know, he, I think I think he agrees with you. He doesn't like um the size of of Marquise Brown. And so I think I think DeShane's, you know, I think his model's actually shaping up to be a lot like ours over here at Player Profiler. Who's going to be the starting quarterback in Arizona? It's not DeShane, but it's going to be somebody who's going to come in. So I Jameis Winston? <laughs> possibly. There's going to be a bridge because we we're looking at um what is it? 4 to 6 weeks probably for Kyler Murray. I think my projection has it for 6. Uh that's probably uh, maybe a little high but uh, that's the safe number uh in, in the meantime they probably bridge somebody i don't think they're gonna go with a rookie during that time so winston would fit uh, i would like to see them honestly get like an andy dalton even or some, even you know anything like that that's able to throw the ball it's just let them play and 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 let them let them let them beat people so i think that would be a good one though i think winston would be great jacoby jacoby Brissett. Brissett would be fantastic he ran the offense better than watson did last year isn't that crazy it's not crazy, actually. I would love Brissett. We're, we have Roster Watch in the chat saying that uh, Josh Downs is tiny. So Puny. Puny, yeah. I don't know. I like tiny better. Puny is a weird word. Josh Palmer, though. Josh Palmer, not puny, tiny. No. But also not that good. Okay, my issue is he's 6'1", 210. I love that just rate, just rate in the center of the average wide receiver size. We don't have to get into a size conversation with him. Was never that dominant in college, not that efficient in any way, but does get target separation, right? Does get target yep. separation, but then you look at the yards per target, yards per route run. The thing that he's good at is yards after the catch. And you can see he's a smooth, fluid operator out there. He's clearly not a deep threat. He's not that fast either, right? That's the thing. His, and his pro day ran a 4.52. That's, that's not impressive. And his target depth, 8.5. That was number 82 in the NFL last year, outside the top 50 in air yard share. Even contested catches, at least there, he did secure 50%. That's a lot. That's a high contested catch conversion rate. That's over top 20, I'm going to guess, in the league. If, if you're 50% in the contested catch conversion category, that's impressive. So if you're giving me yards after the catch and you're converting in tight spaces, that is impressive enough. If, if I can now project you to take over potentially maybe this Keenan Allen role then we have upside so this was another draft pick that I had where I'm just round after round after round as soon as round five is over it's like I need opportunities for guys to hit the nuts like this player could hit, he could he could and then just down the board could hit the nuts could hit the nuts could hit the nuts could hit the nuts unlike an Adam Thielen right you're not gonna ever Adam Thielen has been in the best possible situation you could ever dream up. Like it doesn't get any better, right? But you're 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 taking guys like Herbert and Palmer, whose situation can only get better. Rondale Moore, it can only get better. They get a better quarterback for that bridge between week one and when Murray returns. Hopkins goes elsewhere. It only gets better and better and better and better and better. 
the beauty about Palmer is that his ADP has not climbed despite his role last year because he underperformed. But if you recall, what what did just happen with Justin Herbert? He just had surgery. So I'm not going to place the blame 100% on Palmer. And this offense had inefficiencies, right? They just got rid of their OC. Um, Herbert had surgery. He had you know a rib issue, a shoulder issue on top of it. Yes, Palmer didn't maybe necessarily you know outperform the metrics, but I still think he has a great shot at outperforming his average draft position. If Keenan Allen isn't getting any younger, we, he's always in the chance of getting a soft tissue injury. Mike. You know, Big Mike is always the possibility of getting hurt. There's a there's a real chance that Palmer is the wide receiver one at some point in the season again, based upon injuries with these with this team with the two receivers ahead of him. And even if he's not, now he's not having to take on the number one cornerback or even the number two cornerback in games. And he can beat the number three cornerback. It's the number one cornerback that he was having trouble with because you look at the games where he was the number one he wasn't as efficient when he was the number two. So I think that he fits that role better as a number two on a team, you know, number three. Great. But I think that he has every opportunity in the world to outperform the ADP and where you got him. Yeah, even if they bring back Keenan Allen, which is not the optimal move for the chargers. It's a $21.7 million cap hit yeah, for be... Keenan Allen for a possession receiver who's in his thirties. That's bad value. That's but that's why the athletic and others have predicted that Keenan Allen would be a cap casualty, and and yet Tom Telesco comes in says no 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 he's at the combine he's he's fielding questions from reporters he's like oh no Keenan Allen's not going anywhere. Well, it wouldn't be the first time, and nor will it be the last time that a GM lies at the combine. Yeah, it happens all the time. It it's this is lying season. We are in lying season right now, so I would not be surprised at all if Keenan Allen is cut, and then that would just be. That would doors blown off the Josh Palmer ADP, but it doesn't even really matter because he's behind Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, who we know are going to miss games. Exactly. It's like he can only win. He can yep. only win. And then if they bring Keenan Allen back, there's a lower probability they draft a receiver early. Like Josh Palmer is in a no lose situation, and we do have a metric that indicates just how down the middle he was last year. It's called target premium, which looks at the percentage of additional fantasy points per target that a receiver generates over and above the other pass catchers on his team. So it, so it essentially factors out the quarterback position, and his was negative 6.4, which was about league average. You, know, you have like 120 receivers that qualify for these metrics. He was ranked 60. That's not bad. Right, This is a third-round pick in his second year, and he's giving you great yards after the catch, and, and he's great in contested situations. And then some of these other metrics, he was about average. What more, really, you were hoping for? For what? You were hoping for Justin Jefferson? No, he's not Justin Jefferson. But I'm more impressed with these deeper metrics on Josh Palmer, and it's, damn, I, the more I think about it, I'm really impressed with that draft pick by me. <laughs> not too shabby. Not bad. It's not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Let me give you some polarizing players. Can I just throw some polarizing players at you? Do it. Shoot from the See hip. your your likelihood of drafting them this year and your feelings. Just a, just a few. Just a you few. want me to put percentages to them? You can. Are we doing this rapid fire? 
No, just just okay. eh, there's been some disagreements on Twitter. We have certain uh, analysts at Roto Underworld and Player Profiler that are not bullish on these players and some that love these players. So, for example, Rashad White, right? Aaron Rashad Stewart, White. not loving Rashad White. Jack Cavanaugh loves Rashad White. I like Rashad White a lot. Rashad White was almost one of my guys. So where are you with Rashad White? I told Aaron I was going to block him for his Twitter tick. I love Rashad White. I liked him last year coming into the NFL. I love his fluidity in his game. I love I love his dual ability as a running back. I'm expecting Fournette to be gone. That's going to open up target share for him. It's going to open up rush share for him. Uh, I think, again, when you look at opportunity share and, and you look at ADP and the cost associated with that player and the same thing you just mentioned about a player only going to be able to get better or their opportunity or their, their, their situation to just grow and be better. Another player that comes to my mind is Rashad white because of everything we just mentioned. Yes. He's a smash Aaron. You're wrong. Okay. Cody's in the chat and he's saying that Alex from roster watch hates Josh Palmer prefers Trey Palmer. So Alex would rather have Trey Palmer than Josh Palmer. That's how much he does not like Josh Palmer. And that's fine guys. No one said, did I say, did I say this is a hyper-efficient receiver that's about to make a jump into the, the top 12 fantasy-wide receivers? No, that's not what I said. I said this guy is positioned to deliver value in the eighth round, and there are a number of ripcords that can be pulled between now and kickoff week one where you're like, oh, I got this guy in the late eighth round, ninth round. Now he's a sixth-round pick. You can easily see that. It's one of the most – it's like a, seeing Josh Palmer in the sixth round is one of the easiest things I can in my mind's eye. So that's all we're talking about. Duchesne likes Palmer, so Alex is outvoted here three to one. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Alex wasn't thinking about Duchesne. <laughs> yeah. No yeah, one was thinking about Duchesne. No one ever <laughs> thinks about Duchesne ever because no one knows who he is because he doesn't have a show, and he's, he's, he's not someone that anyone cares about. I do care about what Alex says when it confirms my existing assumptions. And in, when he criticizes a player, I'm going to go ahead and rationalize it with a, a, you know ADP value talk. That's what we do. That, that is what you do. Another player. Another player. Jerry Judy. Polarized. This, was, this is an interesting one. He, it's an interesting one. And, and, and just, just to, I understand that Rashad White wasn't very efficient last year. Breakaway run rate, juke rate, yards created per touch. This guy wasn't generating a lot of his own fantasy points, but this guy was set up to fail with injuries across the offensive line in a, in a completely stagnant and dysfunctional offense. Meanwhile, the metric I'm focused on is that it, among all running backs in the NFL, he ran the 16th most routes, and he had the second highest catch rate. So the one area where he could actually exceed expectations and not be set up to fail by his offensive line was in the passing game and he was efficient there so everyone criticizing Rashad White needs to shut up sorry Billy you know what I'm just going to I'm just going to just change my fifth player to Rashad White I was going back and forth between him and another player but I love Rashad White and yeah. I've been beating beating the drum for him even last year I mean I had him really high in my rankings last year and as you should have in in comparison to other you know rankers and so i'm just i'm gonna i'm gonna change it after this show i'm gonna go i'm gonna go to the bio and i'm gonna change it 
Rashad White is a grinder. You understand that? We like certain things about players. We like players that are in the gym, working hard, taking their game to the next level in the offseason. That's Rashad White. We like players that are coming into this as a mound of clay that with speed, size, and soft hands. Well, that is Rashad White. We like guys that are looking at primary back opportunity that is undisputed, that can't be nullified by free agency or the NFL draft. It's going to be very hard for the Buccaneers to sign or draft anyone that's going to subvert Rashad White in 2023. This guy's a fucking lock, Billy. Yeah, I've, I've, it, I really like his average draft position. I like his opportunity in 2023, and I think I think he's going to have a much better year than people are anticipating. Shame on everyone at Player Profiler who is fading Rashad. Oh, God. Oh, gross. All those people. They, they, shame, shame, shame. Back to Jerry Judy. I like Jerry, Judy this year. I do. I, I've never been a fan of Jerry Judy. Like I always thought he was being overdrafted the last few years. 2023, I'm a fan. and okay. And I look at... One, I think this offense is going to have a rebound year. I don't think we're going to see the level of Russell Wilson that we saw when he was in Seattle, but love the fact that they have Sean Payton. <laughs> I love the fact that they have another year together and as the receiving core and, and, and quarterback. I, I think that we're going to see an improved and more efficient offense. I can't go much, can't go much the other way, quite frankly. Um, but I do think that they're going to have to rely on the passing game at least earlier in the year as well as Javante still recovers from that gruesome knee injury. Uh, and I think they're going to have to get in a rhythm and rely on these receivers. One, I think we're going to see more Sutton. We're going to see more Judy. We're going to see more um, Dulcich. So I think just in general, those three players in this offense are going to get a bump in my projections while the running game suffers at the beginning of the first quarter of the year. I don't want to say this name, but I I gotta say it. I got I gotta check his contract. I don't have I don't have it in front of me. I I shame on me for not being prepared. But I believe that he signed a contract the same year as Cortland Sutton. I I don't have it in front of me, but I I, I think I think he's well under contract, and we're talking about eight point five million ish in cash coming back from a torn ACL that happened early in the year, he's going to be back 100% ready for training camp, ready for preseason, and he will have a role. This this just screams player that Russell Wilson will come to trust and will cannibalize target share from Sutton and Judy. This is why I'm not pushing up Judy into the third round. No way. Ain't happening. Tim Patrick. Yeah, Patrick's always been... Very under drafted. Yeah, everyone's gonna hate it, but it it's 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 actually a nice little nice a nice little play there in the in those later rounds. I don't even know if Patrick was drafted in in our draft that we did. I don't um, see him anywhere. Oh, there he is! Final round. Who did Jody? Jody. Yeah, Jody. Took Jody him. from Full Time Fantasy took Tim Patrick at pick two thirty seven. Jody knows things. Jody's good. Yeah. Jody's also, I mean, he's been, a, I think he's top seven in most consistency in rankings year over year for like the last five years. Jody, a pick before that. Look who he picked. Greg All Dorch. the reasons we like uh, Rondale Moore, Greg Dorch. Yep. The Greg Dorch corollary. And then before that, uh, Jalen Hyatt, another one of those wide receivers that you're just throwing a dart on a potential second rounder. Boom, boom, boom. So, okay. So, can we just. Can we, Cody is blowing up our chat by by relaying commentary 
<laughs> from Alex Dunlap. Alex is like, listen, why would I draft Josh Palmer when I can have J.K. Dobbins? And I'm like, uh, excuse me, but J.K. Dobbins goes earlier than Josh Palmer. What are you talking about? You think you can get J.K. Dobbins at the same spot you can get Palmer? What In what world? What, what is he talking about? No idea. It's yeah. It's they're usually except couple couple rounds difference. Usually. A couple. I'm pulling up ADP right now. A couple rounds. Yeah, in this particular draft, Dobbins went fifth round. If you wanted to say Rashad White, then that's a conversation. That's absolutely a conversation. But I didn't have access to Rashad White. Right. I would have gone Rashad White. But get guess who took Rashad White? Can you guess? If it wasn't you and it wasn't me, guess who drafted Rashad White two spots before me? Um, it was probably probably Jody. Jody likes Rashad White. Jody, of course it was Jody. Yeah. Yes, of course. And then I, I was I was in quote stuck with Herbert. I got stuck with Herbert, but I would have preferred White. Jody got me again. So Dobbins at the FFPC right now is going uh, on average as running back twenty one, uh, at the tail end of round six where Palmer is going in around uh, 9 and 10, so okay. if not later. Hey, hey, Cody, if, if Alex isn't going to join the chat, go ahead and relay this information to Alex. He doesn't know what he's talking about, and if he wants <laughs> to join a fantasy draft like the rest of us and learn where players are getting drafted so that his commentary can make any fucking sense, I would welcome it. Or if he wants to give us Dobbins in round nine or ten, I, I would be happy to take him there. Sure. Yes. Fine. <laughs> what is he talking about? Uh, they're the combine. They're probably already at at happy hour. It's just we'll we'll give him a pass for 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 you know probably being a few a few cocktails in. Have another one, Alex. Yeah. Have have four more because that's the, that's the round separation between those two. <laughs> Four more. That's right. All right, you ready for this one? Because I had a, I had a great show with the Jordan McNamara, the Mind of Mansion show. He is the number one hater of George Pickens. George Pickens is very polarizing. Very. I mean, if you if you think Judy and White are polarizing, the next two players we're going to talk about, the top four most polarizing, the Mount Rushmore of polarizing. And these guys. This is like the George Washington, George Pickens. George Pickens. Um, I like Pickens. So I had Pickens last year mocked to go to Green Bay in round one. Uh, it still should have happened to this day. I believe it should have happened. It did not happen because Green Bay doesn't draft receivers in round one. Um, that being said, the quarterback situation still scares me. I think they'll be better. Yeah, I, I, I do think that uh, there's less target share. That being said, he's still probably the third option in this offense behind mm -hmm. behind um, Deontay Johnson and behind Pat Fryermuth. So it's going to be relying on his big playability. It's going to rely on touchdowns. Uh, I don't like his ADP. Mm -mm. Like the player, rather go a different direction. But mm -hmm. round six right now at FFPC, why does mm -hmm. he 28 is where he's being drafted. I, I would rather, you know, take J.K. Dobbins right there, who's going in right one pick, one pick after him. So I'd rather, can, I'd rather go J.K. Dobbins than Pickens. Can, can we just fuck out of here? What are we talking? <laughs> sixth round? What early sixth round? Uh, fuck no. Okay, I was you know, having to go and look around. Like you ever looked around? Like look behind you, look to the side. Like 
Am I being punked here? What's happening? Deontay Johnson at pick 71, end of the sixth round, Deontay Johnson. Deontay, he's just a complete and utter target magnet, right? Yeah. He goes like number two in targets, and he, he, every year, top 10 in targets. going to be top 10 in targets again. Imagine if he just caught a couple more touchdowns. He just didn't have any touchdowns. I, I chase the touchdown variance. If you score zero touchdowns, yeah, and I broke exactly. my rule last year because a particular coach wore a Kenny Gainwell T-shirt and that got me off. I didn't, I didn't fade <laughs> Miles Sanders because he told us not to draft him. I faded Miles Sanders because of the goddamn T-shirt. Right, when the coach comes out, when when Sirianni comes out with the the Kenneth Gainwell T-shirt, I'm like, well, it's over. It's over, <laughs> right? And so, but the mistake I made was, hey, this guy had zero touchdowns the previous year, which means he's automatically a value. You draft him no matter what. Guy had zero touchdowns and 100-plus targets. You draft him every time no matter what. That's my rule with Deontay Johnson. There's no way, especially in the early drafts. Here's the thing, Billy. In September, sure, ADPs are going to be really efficient. But... There's not a lot of time to digest all the information that's coming at you. So you're drafting in February and March. You're going to lean more on just total fantasy points. And what's a big driver of total fantasy points? Touchdowns. It's not until all these advanced metrics and all these articles get written over the months that a guy like Deontay Johnson's ADP can get corrected. So I'll just take him now while he's a sixth rounder, in some cases a seventh rounder. I mean, if I hadn't drafted him, Right, the turn pick after me went quarterback, running back, so he would have ended up in the seventh round. Whoa! Yeah, I love the discount that we're seeing right now on Deontay Johnson. Uh, again, I haven't projected as number one, you know, target hog inside this offense, even if it is a bad and inefficient offense. Again, the touchdown variance is only going to be a positive regression for us in 2023, and I think that he's going to be on the on the right side of variance in that category. And he's going to significantly outperform ADP. If you just added in, I think it was like three touchdowns last year, where would he be as a wide receiver in the final results? And I guarantee you he'd be drafted probably two rounds higher this year. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. It's a no-brainer. What you said. Yes. Okay. Final final guy. We'll, we'll go out on this guy. This guy. I mean, it's a polarizing position. It's a polarizing player. There were so many people that had him posted up in at ridiculous heights. He was a model breaker, right? He was unprecedented, right? He's the uh, player drafted higher than anyone ever at his position. Some had him ranked ahead of Jamar Chase in his draft. Some even in Superflex were taking him over Trevor Lawrence, which was maybe the dumbest thing I've seen in my time in this business. <laughs> Kyle Pitts. I was—I didn't know who this one was going to be when you were leading up to it. What? I didn't. I, I was trying to think of the possibilities. Like, no, no, no. I'm just saying, no, no, no. I'm saying Kyle Pitts. What? Like, I don't know what to make of him. Like, it's okay to just pass. It's okay for something to be so uncertain. So unknown, so tantalizing, yet so terrifying that you just say, like, I have hundreds of other players to pick from. I can just go ahead and not pick this guy. From a raw athletic standpoint, that's <laughs> that's what is so tantalizing about Cal Pitts. Like it's 
And the other time you're sitting here and you're just banging your head against the wall because Arthur Smith is an idiot. Ugh. Arthur, Arthur, it's coaching. It breaks down to coaching. I don't know. I don't know. A metric in a raw talent standpoint, Kyle Pitts should be an electric tight end. The problem is, is they run him out wide like an X receiver, and he wasn't an X receiver. They need to move him in line for mismatches against linebackers, but they don't utilize him that way. Now the fact that they have London and him, they're both in the field, and if they get another receiver, I think that he's fucked. He's fucked. When you run the projections on Pitts, when you run clean, rational projections on Pitts, you can't draft him at ADP. You can't do it. You can't do it. London's in there. They're a run-first offense. They have no quarterback. They're going to add a receiver. Yeah, Pitts. The problem is FFPCs are tight and premium, so it is inflated, right? So Kyle Pitts, at, and I don't like his ADP at FFPC because he's going in the Ramondre Stevenson and Chris Olave range because of the tight and premium. <laughs> I, I can't pull the trigger there. But when you go to somebody like Underdog, his his ADP is a little bit more digestible. But FFPC tight end premium, which is where I do most of my drafting, it's it's hard to pull the trigger at Kyle Pitts oh. as, as pick thirty four. I just I can't find my I can't do it. You I can't, can't do, do it. it. You can't do it. But you make a good point. See, Kyle Pitts can beat you on Underdog. Yes, he can. He can beat you, and so you can't full fade him. You know, if you're if you're do, if you're doing portfolio management on players, you're gonna want to have eight percent pits. If you're fading him, fine, but just get get lock in your eight percent, right? Make sure you have some of him or five percent. Let's say five percent. Just say, listen, I'm gonna have five percent. I'm I'm not gonna be out on him. You can't be out on him because you can't. He can beat you. Like he can be the leverage that that Kelsey has been. It's possible. It's in his range of outcomes. It's too risky to full fade him. It's too risky. And if the if the ADP is digestible, you should be dabbling a little bit. But in the third round, there's there's nothing stopping you. There there's there's no reason to employ one of these preventative measures because it's the third round. Yeah, I understand the allure. Like you're getting smash player after smash player in the third round. That, that where you by drafting other guys in the third round like Stevenson could be ripping other people's face off. I understand the allure of wanting to take Pitts just because from a target from a target perspective and from an opportunity share, he's going to be the number two in this offense behind Drake London because the likes of Olamide Zacchaeus and Demir Bird and you know Cordero Hodge are uninspiring. You know, it, one can question how much Cordero Patterson is going to be involved in the passing game this year as they probably look to move him out wide a little bit more because he was traditionally a receiver in the NFL and they just, you know, wanted to create this weird hybrid role for him, which worked. That being said, Jack brings up a good point inside the chat. He mentions what happens if the Falcons get Lamar Jackson. I'm going to tell you what happens if the Falcons get Lamar Jackson. Kyle Pitts will now be pick 22-21. And so his ADP is still going to be priced out, even though they get an upgrade at the position, even though he's going to have a significant increase in, 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 in target share and probably efficiency. At that point now, he's going against the likes of like Jalen Waddell and Kenneth Walker. And again, it's just priced out for me. Again, you don't want to be completely underweight on him and you want to have some sort of ownership, but I still think he's priced out at regardless of who the quarterback is. What? 
What are we? What, if if they get Lamar Jackson, then the coaching staff, Arthur Smith, is going to be unhinged. There's going to be no breaks. It's going to be run, 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 run. Fuck, run, run, pass. It's just going to be run, run, run. <laughs> Take the one the lead, the most run, the most run heavy offenses, and give them Lamar. And you give them Lamar Jackson? <laughs> what? what? Talk about pulling pass attempts out of the offense. It's it's a disaster. Efficiency would go up though. Is what is it the argument is? He would no. His touchdowns would go up. Yes, the offense would be more efficient. The touchdown numbers go up. Yes, true, absolutely. But the the targets might go down. Like if they have Andy Dalton, there's going to be more pass attempts. If they have Lamar Jackson, there's going to be more touchdowns. Whatever, man. In no way does the math work. I say you set your 5% threshold in best ball on platforms like Underdog, on uh, tight end premium, FFPC. It ain't worth it. The juice ain't worth the squeeze, man. Give me DJ Moore. What are we talking about? Right? Give me Olave. 100% I'd rather have Olave. 100%. Come on, man. What are we talking? Come on. Come on. Like I would make, I would only mix in Kyle Pitts every now and then just to have a share. I, I'm, but I'm insta locking Olave there every single time, with the exception of ownership diversification. Olave is such a great pick there, man. Love Do you Olave. think that I should have picked Olave over Godwin? Yes, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Wow, that you're you are bullish. I love Olave this year. I like that. I mean, I was not loving my Godwin pick. There were other picks there, Devonte Smith. In Olave or other selections, I'm just Godwin's one of my guys. Godwin and DJ Moore, man, I love that. I love that you could tell because that's that's one of the reasons I like Josh Palmer, six one yeah. two ten, the Roddy White stature. FFPC ADP Olave thirty two right now. Chris Godwin uh, is forty eight, so that's about almost almost a two round difference right now. He's going that late. Yeah, just the quarterback uncertainty in Tampa right now is what's pushing the ADP down. Oh, well, I, I, I technically reached on him then. That was a terrible pick by me. <laughs> it's, that was a terrible pick. I mean, I went, in fairness to me, I was drafting without an ADP. I just wanted to see what it would be like to do it, and it was fun. It was fun to do. I, it was, Godwin picked a mistake, right? Should have gone Devontae Smith, also because I ended up with Hurts. <laughs> Whoops. In all fairness, Duchesne would have picked Godwin there too, so I think I think, I think it's safe. But I, I was happy, though. I was happy to see Pitts go where he did because then a round later, can you guess the tight end I drafted? will take us out here. You took you drafted Hurts. I think you stacked with her, uh, with Goddard, didn't you? Yeah, I took Goddard. Yeah, that a boy. Stack attack. Isn't that just it? Isn't that the move, dude? Best ball stacking. Papa Muzio approves. Stack attack. Isn't that just it? Isn't that the move, dude? Best ball stacking. Papa Muzio approves. Papa Muzio. <laughs> Isn't that good? I like that Papa Muzio. Papa Billy. Yeah. <laughs> I like Papa Muzio. I think it's cool. All right. Well, bye, everybody. That's it. Have another one, Alex.
in all fairness, Duchesne would have picked Godwin there too. So I think I think I think it's safe for guys to hit the nuts. That's it. Cousins hurt me, but I'm glad that there is another guy that you know that happens to like Mechie. That's good. My brain gets twisted trying to pronounce it. This is a podcast. This is thousands of people. Duchesne likes Palmer, so Alex is outvoted here three to one. Have another one, Alex.